BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host Sif and I'm the founder of Icing and Glitter, which is a blog, Instagram page and YouTube channel. I'm recording this intro like minutes after this particular interview and boy, let me tell you, I'm still reeling. What a story. So Marky is a human trafficking victim turned empowerment coach. You guys, what an education this conversation was. I truly feel lucky to have sat down and spoken to her. First and most importantly, what I learned was like, it was a complete perspective shift in how I think of human trafficking trafficking victims. Like just picture a human trafficking victim. What comes to mind? For me, before this conversation, it was a girl who's been physically abused and dying to escape and is just looking for someone to come and save her. Sure, that's one kind of victim, but the whole business of human trafficking is so much more sophisticated than that and Marky breaks it all down for us in today's episode. And what was even more shocking is how common human trafficking really is, even in a place like Canada. This episode is an eye-opener and a must-listen for absolutely everyone. But before we dive in, a reminder that as always, I really appreciate any support that you can show the podcast. You can do this by rating and reviewing the show. It takes about a minute of your time, but it really helps us grow and secure awesome guests. And it helps me get a better understanding of what kind of episodes you like so that I can continue bringing them to you. So with that said, let's welcome Marky Etier to the Dream Bigger podcast. Okay, so Marky, um, you are a human trafficking survivor, which is something that most people don't even realize is a phenomena in Canada. And like, I'm just going to dive into this interview and ask, like, I think what most people would want to know is how you even got into it, like share your story. Sure. Um, well, it was very, it was a very effortless way how I got into human trafficking. I mean, I was lured by a friend. Um, so I had a, a friendship with a coworker and she turned out to be a trafficker and she basically lured me in through friendship. And then, um, when she kind of had my trust and my respect and, um, loyalty, 
that's when she threatened me and forced me um, to work in the sex trade. How? Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> so I'll tell you. I'll tell you um, how it happened. It was really quick, actually. It was took about, like, just a weekend. Um, but her and I, we became quick friends. Of course, she was pushing a, a friendship on me. And I was very vulnerable. And I was young. I was 19 at the time. Um, and I was looking for friendship. And I was looking for love. And she invited me out to party with her friends and she sold this lifestyle a lifestyle that I told her that I wanted um I wanted to live in Toronto I wanted to live in a condo um I wanted that kind of life that everyone really kind of wants um especially when you're a teenager and she had that life and she was like come hang with my friends like be a part of this lifestyle you know we're friends with Drake we go to these clubs we go to these parties um you know she wore name brand clothing she had everything that I kind of wanted and so I was like yeah I want to be your friend so she invited me to her birthday um in in her city of Toronto and she picked me up and was like okay stay with me this weekend um and we went to I don't know. We went to the club. We had a good time. She paid for everything. I slept over at her house. And the next day she told me that I owed her $600 for that night before. And I told her I didn't have the money. And, you know, she offered to pay for everything. And, um, but no, I now owed her this debt. And if I didn't pay it back to her, she was going to kill my dad. She was going to kill my dog. Um, and, to me, those weren't empty threats because knowing her for like a few weeks before this had happened, she had told me about stories of her beating other girls up and how her boyfriend tortured people, like he cut off people's fingers and, and stuff like this. So I was scared of this girl. Like I was really I'm scared of her. I know, right? And I was I was very scared. And so when she threatened me, I took that as, okay, she's going to do it. She knew my address because she picked me up. Um, I honestly felt like I owed her this money. And and she drove me to a strip club and she's like, you're going to a strip and pay me back this money. Once you pay this back, you're square. We're good. Life is going to go on. So I did. I was like, okay, I made her that money. I made sure I made her the $600 back. She took it and she drove me back to her place. Um, and that there was other guys there they drugged me raped me abused me that night and um made me go to bed sleep the next morning they drove me to the strip club again and it was just it started to become a daily thing where they forced me to work they took all my money and they would abuse me threaten me so I complied and it was just kind of a day-to-day thing so you were like Oh my gosh, like follow-up questions, so yeah. many of them. But I guess the first one is after you were like quote-unquote square, according to her, mm-hmm. like w- like did you did you say to her like, well, I'm done, like am I able to go? Or did she just like, I guess, intimidate you and continue to intimidate you to stay in this? Yeah, she continued to intimidate me. So I handed over the money, like it was in the parking lot of the strip club. I handed her the money she put it in her pocket and she just drove and like there was no words to be said I was so scared like and I wasn't the type of I, I'm not the type of person well wasn't the type of person to just like speak my feelings like I was just like okay what is she doing where is she driving me and then we ended up in her driveway again and I just kind of followed her lead um 
because I was threatened and I was intimidated. So yeah, I just, I did as she said, because I didn't want her to hurt my dad and and my dog. And so I just listened to her. That, I mean, and at 19, like it's, yeah, I feel like even at 28, like I'm 28 right now and I'd be, I'd be scared. Like, and at 19, even more so, right? Because you don't know who to turn to and like, it's scary. That's, it's awful. So you, like, while you've, I guess, been intimidated into this life, like, how did you adjust to the reality of it? Like, I mean, before you were forced into it, obviously, you'd never been a stripper. So, Mm -hmm. like, how, how did you adjust into that reality? It was really difficult. What helped me was drugs and alcohol. Of course, that's something that helped me numb um, in the moment. Um, But it... (laughs) Word got around fast. Not that I was human trafficked, obviously, but the fact that I was a stripper. Mm -hmm. So everyone kind of disowned me. And so I, I felt like I was alone and that she now accepted me. And it's kind of like, say, a domestic violence situation where they're horrible to you and then they're really, really good to you. And so we had this kind of relationship where I was constantly trying to earn her friendship and her love and so she'd be like I care about you like I would never judge you for these things you know like no one else understands look at everyone else is writing you off I'm here for you I'm gonna make sure that you build your future because once the threats were done it's look at we're making money let's buy that condo in Toronto now so now I feel like I'm working to make money to build my future I told her all these things that I wanted. I wanted to go to Tor- or the University of Toronto, become a wedding planner. I had hopes and dreams for my future. And so she used all everything that I said to her and said, look it, now we're making this money. Let's build your future. And so I'm scared. And then, no, now I feel like I'm, I'm going to be successful. Like you're empowered. I am empowered, right? I'm like, I'm making money and I'm going to build my future. This is, this is success. And, and so she kind of, I thought that I was making money to build that future. So what do you mean you thought you were making money? Like, where, did you get this money like at the end of every day or like, no. how did- sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. So I'm, she's saying she's taking my money yeah. after every day. Yeah. And she's saying that she's taking that money and, and saving it for us. So first it was like, okay, let's get a condo in Toronto. Okay. We need, you know, $5,000 for first and last. Right. And then it would be like, okay, give me your money. Okay. And then every day she'd be like, yeah, we're like, we're at $2,000, you know, just like, you know, and okay, tonight, if you can make $800 tonight, then we'll be this much closer. And, you know, and it's, it's becoming real. And I, I honestly thought that we were, gonna have that and then after it was like okay we're each gonna get a Mercedes Benz and then we're only gonna need to work two more weeks to get that and and so I felt like I was working towards these stepping stones Mm -hmm. um, which in reality plot twist she was giving it to her pimp oh (laughs) yes oh okay what an interesting (laughs) plot twist Oh, oh my gosh it's awful so yeah so she wasn't my pimp per se she was a victim of our pimp and she was now victimizing me so there's a hierarchy there's like she was trafficked by a guy 
And now once she was loyal doing sex work uh, for him. Like a pyramid scheme. Like yeah, basically. Pyramid scheme. <laughs> like a very fucked up pyramid scheme. And then he manipulates her now to um, recruit other girls. And that's what she did to me. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So did you ever get those things that she would promise to you? Like a car or like nice clothes or whatever it is no wow no like there would be little perks that obviously like propelled me forward right like I would get to wear her Michael Kors boots or I could get my nails done one one night or um I got a spray tan once but it's like obviously I'm making way more money (laughs) than that yeah and They'd only really give me things that would make me look prettier so that I'd make them more money. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, like, during this time, were you able to, like, have contact with, like, your your friends? Or your, you said that your friends or, like, people who knew you had, like, sort of written you off, like, and because word had traveled fast. But were you able to get in touch with them at all? Like, tell them your predicament? Like, what was your contact with, like, the world outside of this girl I didn't have much contact in terms of people that I used to hang out with Mm -hmm. or I used to talk to because one they take your phone so they took my phone and cut my phone off my phone service off because they take your IDs um they call it the phone service pretended to be me cut off my phone um so I didn't have my cell phone um some like the odd day they would give me like a burner phone so I could you know, be in contact with them. Um, But yeah, everyone wrote me off. And when I would kind of um, seek people out, like when I had a burner phone, I'd like log into my old Facebook account and I'd like tell people and people didn't want to hear it. People were just like, you're a whore. Like, I am not going to be friends with you. Like people were like straight up, Marky, like I want nothing to do with you. And it's not like I'm like, I'm human trafficked. I have a pimp. I had no idea. What was happening to me? I thought I got myself into the situation. I agreed to do sex work. Like they don't have me tied up, right? Like I felt like I had consented even though I hadn't because you can't consent when you're manipulated and threatened. That, That does not mean consent. But I, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm still here. So it's my fault. And I couldn't put my finger on it. So... It was really hard for me to communicate what was going on when I didn't even know what was going on. Um, they made me call my dad because they don't want anyone to file a missing, missing persons report. They're very smart. Right. So they let you call contact people to save their butt. Um, but they kind of manipulated the conversation um, to what I said to him. He wanted me back all along. He didn't know what was going on. He just yeah. thought I was like with the wrong crowd kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, so I had little contact with anybody. No one no one cared. Let's be real. No one cared except for my dad. Oh, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what you're saying that like y- you almost you hadn't given consent, but you almost thought that you had. I, I feel like it's this is a phenomena that I've seen even um, with women who've been like victim to sexual harassment for example where they feel confused Mm -hmm. um and it's like oh but like did I do something to bring it on was it really like is it my fault like did I put myself into this situation so Mm -hmm. I feel like it's it's almost like a like quite similar to that as well you know yeah yeah totally it's like that confusion that all of those feelings 
really hard to figure out and it took me years. I mean, this happened like close to 10 years ago and I've only really figured that out in the past year that, okay, wait a minute. It was not my fault. Like almost 10 years. That's, I mean, that's crazy. So like, how did you escape? Um, how much time do you got, girl? No, <laughs> just kidding. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. I so, want to hear the whole story. Um, those traffickers, I, it got to a point where I'm like, I cannot do this anymore because they're not only controlling me to work every day, they're controlling what I eat, if I eat, how much I sleep, when to shower, how long I can shower, what? when to use the washroom. Yep. When I can moisturize, what I wear what I look like, what I say, what my name is that day. Like they control everything. I am a slave. So after a few months, I was talking to a customer of mine at a strip club. Um, and we would talk for about an hour every day. And at the club, he would pay me for my time. And I kept on telling him, I'm like, I have this really bad roommate. Like this roommate, I can't like... She's taking my money. She's, you know, doing these things. I don't feel comfortable. And he's like, we got to get you out. So he actually, um, we planned to get me out while my pimp was doing a drug deal. So she was doing a drug deal in Toronto. And at this point we were in Niagara. I was at the Niagara strip club and I took that chance and he pulled up his car I ran out of the strip club and he drove me to a motel. I had no clothes, no money, and no nothing. And I stayed there for one month in that motel. And I contacted everybody on my Facebook list. No one cared. No one wanted to hear from me. Everyone just thought I was going on a downward spiral and no one cared except for this one this one guy that I, you know, we had feelings for each other years ago and I knew he had a house and he's like I can't offer you money but I can offer you a place to stay until you figure things out I'm like perfect go to his place wait gonna cut you (laughs) off for a second so when you're staying with this guy at the motel like was he was good to you and like he just he like he paid for your place at the motel and he was just like good dude no not not exactly yeah he was my customer and now he felt like he had me all to himself so he, I would sleep with him and he would bring me food and he bought me some clothes. And it, I was just like, I remember looking in the mirror of that motel room and I was like, who are you? Like, who have you become? This isn't you. And I was looking at myself and I couldn't recognize myself. And I'm like, how did I get to this point? Like a year ago, I was going to church with my dad and now I'm in a motel, a motel having sex with this like 60 year old man for money how did my life get like how did I get here and so that was one of those like pivotal moments I mean it wasn't like everything was great after that no it was not but that was a moment I'll never I'll never forget um and I so I wanted to stop like this man disgusted me I'm like I need to get out of here so the guy picked me up took me to his house was like here stay as long as you need but after a week he was like you're not living here for free and what did he do he drove me to a strip club and he made me work and he made me take or he took my money and but so he became your pimp yep 
So he took he he wasn't like one of those generational pimps. This wasn't his like culture, his lifestyle previously, but he was kind of like took the opportunity. He was an opportunity pimp. And basically I told him everything that they did to me. And he was like, hmm, I can manipulate her the same way. She's still vulnerable. Oh my God. And took advantage of me. And but I love you. Now we're into this relationship. We're two we're a man and a woman living under the same roof. I fall in love. And he is like, babe, I love you. Like if you work now, like you can go to school and like and help me with the mortgage and we can become a family. Let's get a cat. Let's do this. And and he really sold it to me. So I already felt like I had or I was comfortable enough in the strip club. Like I have no self-worth, no self-respect now. And now I'm in a partnership. So I felt like it wasn't that bad. Even though I didn't want to do it, I felt like, okay, like at least I'm like building my future for real this time. And then he would take all of my money and put it towards his mortgage and his drugs. He was addicted to Oxy. And um, and then fast forward, we won't go through the whole thing, but um, I was at the strip club one night and the strip club manager um, knew the signs and recognized that I was being pimped out and he called the cops. Cops came to me, gave me an interview, um, and then got me in in contact with the social worker. And then, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. I mean, that's that's crazy. When yeah. when you were, I guess, when this guy became your pimp, like, did you realize that he was your pimp? And like, did you did you like spot the patterns again? Or no, not at all. Because the first time around. It, for me, it was like, oh, I have a bitchy roommate. And that's what I thought. I was like, oh, like she wanted me to, you know, she wants me to be a stripper. But I didn't really see anything wrong with it. It felt wrong. I didn't see anything wrong. So when I left, I was like, oh, okay. Like done that lifestyle onto like onto the next. Mm-hmm. And then so when he started taking advantage of me, I was just thinking, I have a cool boyfriend, you know, like he still loves me even though I'm with other men, like he's not jealous. I thought I had hit the jackpot. I thought I'm making money for us, like he loves me. We, you know, we have enough money to do these like fun things and I didn't really recognize that he was taking advantage of me because I thought I'm doing my part in a relationship. That is wild. Mm-hmm. So when the social workers came to you, like, uh, I mean, what was your reaction? F off. <laughs> it was like, really? I don't need help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad now because, wow. because a lot of girls, and this is why it's so hard to save human trafficking victims is because they've been manipulated. Yeah, they're manipulated. They're in this lifestyle. They're, they're not all like, help me, save me, save me. No, they're like, Everyone needs to F off. I'm doing what I want to do. Well, you learn like, to cope, right? Like, otherwise you'll die. Like, yeah. I mean, you you have to learn how to cope and then that becomes your reality. Yeah. Like, I thought they were, they were, like, making a mistake. I'm like, you don't need, like, why are you asking me these questions? Why do you care? Like, I am fine. Wow. Like, like, I was just like, I'm fine. So it, it was very annoying for me. But at the same time, I was like... 
they were kind of cool. Like they weren't like these, like, you know, no offense to social workers, but like some were like old, not with it. Mm -hmm. And, and since they were like kind of cool, they talked the way I talked. It was easier for me to get on the same page with them and kind of share what was going on inside my head. Yeah. So they, I guess they, they took you out of it and then you started your, I guess your normal life. Um, yes and no. Okay. Uh, so they took me to a safe house Yeah. and, but the safe house was only good for a week. And so like funding wise. So they drove me right back to that guy's house. Cause what, what were they going to do? Right. So I went right back to him and then, um, but while I was in the safe house, I met this girl who had also been trafficked. Her pimp was, uh, just went to jail and he was, he's going to be locked up for 10 years. So she was on her own. She, and I like clicked instantly. We became like best friends immediately. And she was like, girl, why don't you break up with that guy? And you and I can do sex work on our own. Oh my gosh. Okay. And, and we can travel and we can just like get a condo together and like the money we make can be ours and we can just like party and like have fun. And I'm like, obviously this is so appealing to me. I'm like probably 20 at this point. And I broke up with him. Uh, we got our own condo and it was just, oh man, it was a spiral. I was on a downward spiral from there. I have a question. Is it common for strippers to also be doing sex work or is that like, I mean, they go hand in hand? They go hand in hand. Yeah. For me, like when I started stripping, um, I was like, for the first month, I'm like, that is disgusting. I would never sleep with a guy for money. That is like, that is so past my boundaries and then you're in it and you're doing drugs and you're drunk and you're in that lifestyle and the customers at the strip club are like hey like offering you like $500 for like a blow job and you're thinking okay like if you were a condom how how bad is that really and then you you kind of just like you expand your boundaries and you're like man maybe maybe that isn't so bad and it's just this gradual process for me at least, of being like, okay, well, that's okay. Well, I can let that in. And and then sooner than later, you're like, am I like a prostitute? You know, it, like, how did this, how did this happen? And a lot of strip clubs, most strip clubs have private rooms where you can turn off the light, lock the door. They rent it out for an hour, 20 minutes, however long. And that's what you do. Cause really like stripping isn't as lucrative as sex work. No way it never will be and so you you you're kind of there to meet the customers that will pay you for sex work I mean honestly speaking like it's not too different like that sort of mentality where like um I guess whatever you're around it normalizes for you right so if you're in that environment and everyone around you is doing it or like that is just the normal expectation if you're in it for long enough I feel like it's only a matter of time like it's it's like that for everything so why not this you know yes and it's the same with like drugs I'm like I had never done drugs before that wasn't anything that I ever even considered in my life yeah and then now it's like oh you know okay maybe I'll like started smoking marijuana with them and then I was like oh I'll do coke MDMA and then it's just easy and everyone's doing it it's like yeah it becomes the norm so could you like 
I want to ask you because like if if anyone goes to a strip club can you tell the difference between a stripper who's there willingly as opposed to someone who's been trafficked that's a great question um I would say probably yes and no I that is a really good question um I feel like it would be easier it's easier to f- know that if you are working in the strip club like right. firsthand looking at someone no I don't think you'd be able to tell um but maybe if you were talk talking to the girl you're gonna know that she has a man someone's like looking at like looking at or not looking after her wow that was like that's so bad um controlling her right um so say say you're at a strip club and you're like hey like come party come party after work someone that is an independent stripper would probably consider it like hey yeah let's like do some coke after work someone that has a pimp no they're getting picked up or they have to be home at a certain time and or they'll get beat up so it's like there's more restrictions like I think independent strippers are kind of there for the lifestyle they love the part like the drugs the alcohol um the attention people being trafficked are there to make money for their traffickers and that is the only purpose that they're there so I think maybe if you were to have a conversation with them um and kind of see their frame of mind so if someone is there willingly then they just get to keep all their money as opposed to handing it to their pimps right so I like I'm very curious as to what a relationship between uh, like a, a pimp and a stripper or a sex worker is like I mean what are they like how do they even lure people into working for them I guess Um, so the most common type of pimp is a Romeo pimp, which would be the boyfriend pimp. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like a relationship. They lure you in as a boyfriend. And so, and it's very hard. It's not like you can pinpoint it. This guy is going to be so charming, so attractive. Oh yes. They have charisma. They are hot. They're because they have money, they know how to dress, they look like maybe a lawyer, they don't look like some thug, you know, like the, I mean, some do, um, but like my, the pimp that actually, the guy, like the head pimp, holy crap, he was hot, like, and he knew how to have a conversation, he was very respected in the community, and so when they talk to you, you kind of melts, you're like, oh, they're like paying attention to me. Wow. And and so how they lure you and they groom you is that they will spoil you endlessly. They will want to get to know everything about you. So you're going to tell them, I have a horrible relationship with my parents. I want a condo in Toronto. I want to travel. I want to do all this. He's promising you all these things. He like, babe, I want to get married to you. I want this life. I want to have children with you. And, and you're kind of like I have found the one I have found someone that cares about me like is showering me with love has money respects me and but that quickly turns and that's when it starts to look like domestic violence because one day out of the blue he'll hit you and be like baby I'm so sorry I didn't mean to do that you made me upset I you know and then apologize um and then they're gonna start connecting sex with money so maybe he's asking you or forcing things 
you to do things that you're uncomfortable with in bed. And then after you do that thing, he's going to be rewarding you. So maybe it's going to be a shopping trip. Maybe it's going to be a really fancy dinner or a necklace. Um, And you're going to start to have that connection between sex and money. And it And then over time, as you guys are really in love, of course, it's one-sided, then, and he knows you're loyal because you've stayed through him hitting you, beating you, verbally abusing you, he's going to introduce sex work. And he can introduce it in a a couple of different ways. So some pimps, like pimps have different styles, obviously. Some pimps will have a money emergency where he'll be like, oh man, like my mom was just diagnosed with cancer. And we need $5,000 for chemo treatments right now. Like, what are we going to do? And he's going to have this like huge freak out breakdown and need the money. And of course, you as you love this guy and you love his family, you'll do anything. And he'll introduce, oh, maybe, you know, we could get this money if you if you had sex with a couple guys, we could earn this money. I'll still love you you would save my family. And then bam, you're in it. He starts taking your money and you can't get out of it because then the threats will come in to keep you to like to keep you in there. Um, or he'll just straight up introduce sex work like, hey, like he'll open up like the Leo list, which is the new back page where it's like av- advertising like the women for sex work. Um these girls are making $200 an hour. You're way hotter than them. You you can make X amount of money and we could go to Hawaii next week. Imagine you work this weekend. We could go on that trip you've always wanted. And, you know, I'll still love you, blah, blah, blah. There you go. You're manipulated into sex work. Another way they can do it is just forcefully and threatened where I have taken you out for all these dinners. You have crashed at my place for two months now. I've paid for this and this and this. And now you owe me eight grand. Oh my God. And it's a number where you're like, what? Like, where did this come from? Like the $600 I owe to her. Like, how do I owe you $600 when I had like three drinks last night? It doesn't make sense. And so they'll make up this huge number that no one will be able to pay back. Because of course, like they target younger, they target younger girls it's between the ages of 12 and 24 is like the most common age um and it's like you're gonna pay me back and this is how you're gonna do it and if you say no they'll lock you in the closet for probably 48 hours without food or a washroom until you finally say okay fine i'll do it so there's no choice right it's like you're either doing sex work or i'm gonna beat you until you say yes what is what is your choice? Oh, my God. Like, who knew that these things happen, like, in Canada and, like, the U.S.? Like, it's wild. I know. I know. And no one really knows about it. And yet there are thousands. Like, we're in an apartment building right now. There's, I guarantee you, there's probably at least two people being trafficked in this building right now. That's, like, it's horrifying. It is. It is. It's everywhere. I see it everywhere. The mall, grocery stores, bus. Like, you see it everywhere. Oh, my God. Because it's like a pimp can make up to $280,000 off one victim a year. That's just one. And most pimps have up to 10. <gasps> oh, that's so gross. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
Okay. Getting back to your story where you and this girl, you take matters into your own hands and off you go, you know, living this life, doing sex work on your own. Like, at least you've rid yourself of your pimps. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a good thing. Silver lining. (laughs) But um, not to lighten the situation. But um, like what what happens? Like how like how do you come out of that? Like, is there like do you hit a rock bottom? Like, what does that part of your life look like? I had a couple rock bottoms and every time I had a rock bottom, I thought that was going to be it. <laughs> I just went further, further down. Um, so one of them was um, we ended up in jail, me and my girlfriend in Orange County. How? And so we were, so her and I decided to go meet up with a sugar daddy in Los Angeles and he had a condo that he said we could stay at. And so we stayed there for a few months and um, while we were there, we decided to join an escort agency. And so another customer took us on a cruise. And while we were coming back from the cruise, um, immigration got us. Although it shouldn't have happened because we were only there for a couple months and there wasn't really any real reason. But they put us in jail for two and a half months. And there I was like, Obviously, I had a lot of time to think, and I was like, this girl got me in here. She was a very, like, huge negative influence on my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wouldn't have been doing the things I was doing without her in my life. Um, And so I thought that I was going to really get on, like, the straight and narrow after that. But then when we were deported right from jail, we had no money. We were literally just in the airport and, like, what are we going to do? So we contact a customer and we continue to do sex work to get back on our feet. Um, one of, so I think rock, rock bottom was when I found out that she was sleeping with my boyfriend. Fast forward a few months and they were the only people I had in my life. And I found her and him were like a thing. Like they were like, they fell in love with each other ish and um they were they were sleeping together and I was like oh my gosh what do I have left like I don't have my family I don't have any friends I don't have a job I don't have anything and and I'm in a different now I was in Windsor we lived in Windsor I had nothing and I'm like oh my goodness and as soon as I found out I called my sister for the first time in like years and I said can you come get me And she drove me back to my dad's house. And um, I started fresh from there. Did you tell your sister what had happened? Like, did she know? She kind of knew, but it was hard for her to get a a grasp on it. Of course. Um, So she kind of just knew that I was on, like, a rocky path in my life. And that was kind of it. Um, And I didn't talk about it. I kind of refused to talk about it. I was like, if I'm going to be living here with my family again, like no one asks questions because I'm just not ready. Um, Yeah. And that's when you started fresh. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I kept some customers. I continued doing sex work because I was still trying to, I was still trying to find myself. And I'm like, it was the only thing that made me feel worthy. I felt if I am still getting paid for sex, I still have some worth in me right and I and it was a very confusing time because I I was still addicted to drugs I 
had no credentials. I, I just, I had no friends and, um, and so the only thing I found comfort in was sex work. How did you get out of it? I met my now husband and, um, and he really kind of just saved me, um, because I, I fell for him right away. He is like the kindest person. And I knew that if I need, if I wanted to live a normal life and have a relationship with him, I needed to stop what I was doing and I needed to heal. So for your addiction, like you were addicted to drugs, like how did you come out of that? Like, did they go hand in hand, I guess? Yeah, it really did. I needed to be high to, to do sex work. I needed to be drunk. Like I would chug a bottle of wine in less than five minutes before I would see a sugar daddy or, or do that. Cause I needed to be out of my mind and I wanted to forget it the next day. Um, so when I was trying to stop that, it was really hard because I, now I'm finding myself chugging a bottle of wine before I bartend, you know, like I was, I was having these part-time jobs and I was doing these things. And now I'm finding myself like doing lines in the bathroom of Lacenza as I'm supervising a bunch of girls, you know, and I'm like, this is not right. And I thought, oh my goodness, this guy will never respect me if he knows that I am addicted to these drugs. So I slowly weaned off. But when I met, his name is Ryan. When I met Ryan, I was like, I ended everything abruptly because I knew this guy. I was like, I need to marry this guy and I need to end it all. But so when I ended the drugs, I ended the sex work. It was like a dump of issues. It was like trust issues just like dumped on me. Um, I had Oh, it was just, I was a mess. So I had all of this that I, I all these to... unresolved issues, obviously, like so many years, like so many. And then I started becoming suicidal and I was like, I, I, I'm like, okay, maybe dying is like the best answer for me right now. Cause I'm hurting everyone around me. I don't like myself. I like daydreamed of dying. Like that's the only thing I thought about all day, every day. And then it was like death or like marry this guy and, uh, yeah yeah sorry I'm babbling about no that, that's but. <laughs> I mean, like it's uh, so like what made you choose I guess not to commit suicide and like come out of it and like go the direction in which you went like it was it was because I realized that I didn't want to die it was that I didn't want to live and so I never truly wanted to die and the more I had a relationship with Ryan the more I realized there is so much hope like he is like a light of like a beaming light of love and I never saw that in people before right you know I didn't think that people were good and I saw that in him and he introduced me to his family and they were like non-judgmental so non-judgmental and they they were just great people and I thought okay there's more to life I just haven't seen it yet and so I I did have hope um and then he helped me heal by teaching me to forgive um and that was a game changer for me because when I was trying to move forward I was stuck and I'm like man like how can I not be moving forward I'm trying so hard I want to heal I want to do all these things and yet I'm still in this place and he 
he was like, you need to let go of everything that has happened and everything that you like you were holding against these people and against yourself or else how can you move forward if you're staying stuck with all these things? So he guided me through forgiveness and it became one of my daily practices. And surprisingly enough, that was the thing that made me realize, oh my goodness, I can heal. I can move past all this because I'm letting it all go in the past. And I'm, I'm letting it go without any hate. You know, I think a lot of people when they're trying to heal from something, they have so much hate in them and it's, it's keeping them stuck. And so I just gave love to my traffickers. I gave love to the Johns. I realized, how can you be buying sex if you have so much love inside of you? How can you be married to someone and purchase sex from a sex worker if you're not hurting yourself? And I just came to realize we're all just hurting, you know? People weren't trying to hurt me. They hurt so bad that they were trying to fill a void within themselves. It wasn't about me, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's about everyone as individuals. So when you realize that, you're like, well, I can heal this through me. Right. And so that's kind of the step I took was I'm going to forgive and let myself go and go forward. <laughs> Your husband's very wise. I know he is. <laughs> um, have you read the uh, works of Gabrielle Bernstein? No, I haven't. Oh, you would love. And I think your husband would love as well because that's actually how I learned these like forgiveness exercises and just learning that like people carry pain within themselves. And like if they're terrible to you, it's a reflection of like what they're carrying, you know, and it's it's really not about you. So like, I mean, this is like such a, I guess, minor example compared to what you've been through. But like, you know, if someone talks badly about you or someone is a troll online, like my first reaction isn't anymore like, oh, like I'm taking it so personally, like there's something wrong with me. Like, no, they're going through their own issues. And like, I just pray for their peace of mind, because hopefully if they are at peace, then they will stop like trying to hurt other people. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so wise dude. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. He, yeah, he's very smart. So, like, I was telling you before we started this podcast, your energy is, like, incredible. And, I mean, coming out of what you came out of um, and having this sort of energy and, like, vibrance almost, like, like, how did you go from there to where you are today? Like, how did you, like, rebuild your life? I, it took, it was a long process. It was a long process, but I feel like one, when I forgave people and when I forgave myself, that was a game changer for me. When I realized like, it is not my fault what happened to me. It is not, I am not a bad person. I am not, I shouldn't be ashamed of myself. And I kind of let myself free. And then that's when I realized I'm actually a pretty cool person, (laughs) you know, when you're, you take all of these like negative words that you say about yourself and all of these negative feelings associated to you, 
you're like, okay, all right, I have some potential. And when you stop comparing yourself, I used to compare myself to everybody online. I kind of, I stepped away from the online world for a little bit and I, I wanted to take a look at who I was as a person. And so I dabbled into so many different extracurricular activities to find out what I connected with. Because I think when you connect with what your heart wants, it allows you to have that energy. And when you're around people that are themselves and, and care about growth as well, that's huge. So one, I started attending yoga classes. I actually signed up for a yoga, like the yoga teacher training. And I found that's what I connected with best in myself. And I was able to connect with God and I found a lot of healing through that. Um, and I did a lot of physical activity and I think that released a lot. Um, and a lot of self-development. I think I'm constantly learning and I'm, I'm, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm surrounding myself with positive things. Right. Because I know it's very simple, but I would watch crime shows every day. Like I would be doing my makeup and I'd watch crime shows and I'd listen to these different like crime podcasts and everything was like negative news, everything. Oh my God. (laughs) This is what I keep telling people. Like I, okay, so... My my fiance makes fun of me because he's like, Sif, you only watch happy things. And I'm like, yes, because it brings me joy. <laughs> like, I don't want to, like, expose myself to, like, negative things all the time because, like, I, I, like, I'm someone who absorbs it very quickly. Yeah. So I totally get what you're talking about with, like, the crime stuff. I, I can't. Yeah, right? And I was addicted <laughs> to it. And I'm like, oh, man, like, oh, every day would, like, a few times a day I would watch these things and I wonder why I was a negative person. And then I was like, do you know what? No, I'm changing everything. And I went cold turkey and I was like, okay, in the morning I'm listening to a positive podcast, something that is going to guide me for my day and have my day in the right direction. And then I started reading positive self-development books in the morning. And I started writing in a gratitude journal every morning and holy crap game my, changer game changer <laughs> my life changed and then people are like you're so positive love your energy and i'm like what me i used to be the like <laughs> everyone wanted to walk away from me i just like exuded negative energy and i'm like this is a game changer your morning routine i will preach my morning routine yes, until the end same, of time same, same, same. oh my god <laughs> right? i get it yes Set the tone for the rest of your day. And you know what? Your tone, like your day will set the tone for your year. And your year is your life. Yeah. So I think it's really little things. And your friend group. I changed my friend group. Now we're not, I'm not talking about people. I'm collabing. I'm, you know, talking positive things, dreams, hopes, setting goals. And really just those things have have made me positive and I've been able to see, you know, a better future for myself. It's so true. Like, 
I always talk about this and like I'm big on like a good morning routine and starting your day with positivity and it's insane like because I've seen the changes in my own life you know like since I have introduced those practices since like I don't know like I feel like what you expose yourself to those practices that you have really like they culminate to who you are as a person so yeah like what you're saying like I feel like everyone needs to take note um so tell us about the level up ladies program Sure. Um, So I have a kind of a business coaching program. It's social media strategies. Um, Really, if you have a business or you are selling a product or a service online, um, it's a community of women that are doing the same thing and really just wanting to sell more of of their products and services. And um, I've built a really nice community of people that want to like level up their business um, or their life online. I love that. I think it's awesome. And so is that what you do full time now? Um, So I do that. That is my full time. I have kept a part time job of public speaking around human trafficking. Um, So that's kind of coming to an end in December. Um, And then, yeah, that will be my level up ladies will be my full time job kind of working from my laptop, which has been my dream forever it's the best (laughs) it is the best right I work for myself as well and I won't lie like it's the best thing ever I know I'm like because I'm I've been that type of person where I'm like I can't have a boss like it's it's so hard for me to Mm -hmm. work for someone Mm -hmm. and I laugh about that because like I was a sex worker so (laughs) I'm like from an early age I knew that I did not (laughs) want a boss um but now I'm doing it with a more like some more morals so (laughs) funny um that's amazing okay so last question I have for you is if if someone like first of all how can you tell if someone close to you is being human trafficked like is there are there any like telltale signs yeah so if someone's being human trafficking trafficked most likely um they will be isolated from their family and friends so if you know someone that kind of like fell off the map that is a huge red flag um if they if their boyfriend or friend has become their life their like ride or die that's that's huge and you and obviously along with the other signs like if they're working in the sex industry um if they're branded like if they have their boyfriend's name tattooed to them um like or like so pimps brand you and it'll be either like your neck your wrist anywhere visible showcasing like hey other pimps like don't recruit this girl because she is mine and that's just kind of like universally known in pimp culture Um, So the tattoo, being isolated, dressing differently, having more expensive things, um, two cell phones or no cell phones, travels often. And I'm not saying like, oh, Dominican Republic again, up and down the highway system. If they're in Niagara one day, if they're in London the next, Windsor the other day, that's huge. They're moving from like hotel to hotel. Right. or if they're, they seem like heavily influenced by a new friend or boyfriend, they're owing people money, um, you most likely won't be in a lot of contact with this person um, because they will be controlling their every move. Um, but my bet, like the thing with human trafficking is that you can't save these girls and there's not, there's not a step-by-step answer to it. Right. It's like if they want help, 
that's when you can help them. Right. And that's the only time you can. Um, So my advice for you would be if you do think that someone is being human trafficked, it would be let them know you're there for them if and when they need it because they think they're in a relationship. They're confused. And you telling them you want to save them from a boyfriend they think that they love is only going to hurt them more. So if you're like, I have your back no matter what happens. If you ever need me, I am here for you. That is a safe place for them. No one no one was that for me. Yeah, that's Everyone you, left exactly. me. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like just having that, just knowing that someone is there in like a safe space is like really... Because like... I, People don't think of human trafficking like your example, you know, like people think Mm -hmm. like in my mind when I think of like someone who's being human trafficked, I think they're in like dire straits, you know, like tattered clothes and like just, you know, unthinkable and all they're looking to do is just escape. But you don't think that like it's such a sophisticated system where there's like, you know, manipulation and like the women who are in it might think that, you know, they don't want to be saved. Right. So yeah. it's it's really, really fascinating. Okay, before we wrap, tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at marquee.etta. Um, that's pretty much the best way you can reach me. It's M-A-R-K-I-E dot E-T-H-I-E-R. Amazing. Thank you so much, Marquee. Thank you. Mm-hmm.